What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, a hell of a year. 365 days since they were pulling players off the court at the Big East Tournament, and I was left wandering the streets, the saddest man in the whole damn town. We've got a boatload of basketball brackets galore as the major conference tournaments go four games deep, betting strategies for every game, and a look back at yesterday's action as the hoops can only get better from here. Plus, after a lazy night on the ice, we're back with a monster slate. Let's do that hockey. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and it's the special March 11th, one year later episode. And it's obviously a special time for us in the college basketball universe and in the regular universe as, uh, you know, a year ago was the basically shutdown of all sports. Uh, March 11th, we recall again in college basketball, you know, St. John's playing in a Big East game to start the day, uh, a day that, you know, this and the next day are arguably the two best of the year for college basketball fans. And it's not even really all that arguable, though. Hey, I'm going to come back here on Thursday. Well, I guess this year it's Friday, talking about the first day of March Madness being the best day of the year. But that's what we do, right? We get ahead of ourselves a little bit when it comes to talking about the best weekends and the best weeks of sports. And so the best month or the best couple of weeks in sports last year was taken away from us. And, you know, I know I turned the microphone on and there's an episode called This Sucks from back then. And we didn't know anything um, about what we were going to deal with. We were, you know, obviously hoping things were going to be fixed, if you will, um, by the summertime. Maybe there's a chance that these leagues can come back in a few weeks and all of that kind of stuff. Obviously, college basketball was the one that got burned the most, right? Like there just isn't a timeline where you can play these games later on with college eligibility and, you know, people moving on to different things. And, you know, sure, we lost like the British Open, for example, but golf fans got to see a bunch of other tournaments. Um, you know, the NHL, NBA got pushed back, all of that. All of these things still happened anyway. And so here we are sitting here a year later and we joked, you know, earlier this month about the uh, the idea that like you know I've lived in my house for a year and a half and never had an NCAA tournament here and it's sort of like the last first thing to have when it comes to the sports calendar and again it, you know sure the British Open will be strange to sort of have that back again with early morning golf and the general vibe that that uh, event brings to the table and so you know, I remember we went out, and again, this was at a time where, like, you would still sort of, I shouldn't say walk around, but, like, we were just out walking, no mask, because, you know, we hadn't gotten to the point where we all needed to be wearing masks. We were walking through the neighborhood, and there's people outside, and they're playing, and I looked over at a basketball court, and this kid uh, is just shooting hoops by himself, and he just takes, he takes a shot, and he airballs it by, like, three feet, and he just walks over, picks up his jacket that was lying on the ground, and just walks home. <laughs> just walks off the court. And I just said to my partner Emily, and I just said to her, like, yeah, 
that kid is how I feel right now, right? Just throwing the air ball, picking up your jacket, and walking home, not sure of what's to come. And of course, what came a year later was a lot of downs and a few ups and a lot of um, consternation along the way. But I think, strangely enough, and hopefully this isn't just me being too deep into the college basketball universe, or us being that deep into it, because I'm sure you'll probably you know, maybe agree with it because you are of the similar ilk. But, you know, whether it's the year anniversary or just the fact that the tournament is coming back, and again, we're still, you never know, still at a point where we're sort of knocking on wood. But the tournament and, the, and these two days that are coming, these four days that are coming, these three weeks that are coming, sort of however you want to parse it, you know, I hope there's some healing there. Right. I hope that like, uh, you know, I certainly feel like a bit of a rejuvenation or that we are turning a corner to get these events these days where it's just a ton of basketball back in our lives. So point is, we have a ton of basketball to talk about. And like, how exciting is that? And this is, you know, these podcasts are the hardest ones of the year because there is kind of no time to do the handicapping, right? That's why we sort of been paying attention up until this point as closely as we have. So we can kind of know, okay, that's a little overvalued. Okay, I like where this team's playing right now. Okay, because you're not going to dig deep into the whatever, you know, 100 games there are today. It feels like 100. I don't think it's that many. Um, and then turn around, do a podcast, try to get it out before the early games, which are starting earlier and earlier nowadays. I believe these all used to be noon starts, but now we're talking about 11.30 starts with some pretty big conferences. So quickly, yesterday, um, hopefully you listened to the podcast, made bets, and then never followed along on anything that I did the rest of the day. We started out really well, 3-0, and uh, finished the day 6-3 and on the major conference plays that I talked about on the podcast. I was an idiot and went and added a couple more as the night went on thinking, oh, you know what? We got a little heater going here. We actually, su we had, I shouldn't say suffered. We actually took advantage of a bad win. Um, Cal had no business really covering against Utah. They came back thanks to some late free throws and a cosmetic score with, you know, three point game with eight and a half, you know, with an eight, eight and a half point line was certainly much more of a blowout than that. So we'll actually take one in our win column from that standpoint, but Texas A&M and Northwestern, Quickly talking about Northwestern. Northwestern Minnesota might be the worst game I've ever seen in my entire life. I saw, I tweeted out last yesterday. Just absolutely no winners in this game. Northwestern scores two points in the first twelve minutes. Okay, that's embarrassing. Every alumni for Northwestern should have been embarrassed in that situation. Almost worse, maybe worse, even worse. Minnesota doesn't put the game away, despite the fact that Northwestern was at one point on pace for seven points in the entire game. They don't put the game away. Northwestern takes the lead in the second half and actually takes a seven-point lead with four minutes to go in the, in the game. And you go, well, nobody's scoring in this game. How can you blow that lead? Well, they did. They basically never scored again. And Minnesota takes the lead, and then they win quasi-comfortably in the last 30 seconds. So, you know, are you proud if you're Minnesota right now? Having blown that situation, even though you ended up winning the game, are you proud if you're Northwestern, given how the first half of that game and the second, you know, part of the second half went in that game? And on top of that, watching that game, the officiating was atrocious. Both teams just getting clotheslined on a regular basis. 
And the referee's just going, yep, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. And missing calls left, right, and center. It was just atrocious basketball from all three parties on the court. That being said, uh, enough sort of, you know, commiserating about what happened yesterday. We do need to get to these games because maybe you're flipping this podcast on. It's 11.15. And you're like, you know, Russell, shut up, man. What's the situation with the 11.30 games? And I joked the last couple of days. It's like, maybe I'd be saving you. Um, by not getting this podcast out early enough, right? Tweeted out the Syracuse game yesterday, and that ended up going incredibly well as they um, absolutely blew out NC State. So 11.30 starts, here's what I've got. Let's all line up. We're all doing it. Everybody's getting on the train here. God, what could possibly go wrong? Michigan State, plus one. Find me the human being who's betting Maryland, minus one at this point. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. These games are the ones that are quite often set you off uh, on a bad start. We've seen Maryland beat Michigan State already this season, so it wouldn't be remotely surprising, especially considering they're one-point favorites, despite the fact that I think the entire universe is on Michigan State. But we're going to do that. We're going to go plus one uh, on Michigan State. Uh, Georgetown, plus seven and a half. This thing's down to seven right now, and you can see, um, you know, hopefully we're on to something here. Maybe this is just people fading Villanova given all of their injuries, right? And we bet on Villanova to win this tournament because the number was inflated relative to their competition. And of course, sure enough, like they are seven-point favorites in this uh, their first round, the quarterfinal round. And I don't know that St. John's or Seton Hall, and we'll see. Maybe this is sort of famous last words, and we'll see where the lines sort of open up shouldn't uh, Villanova get past Georgetown here. Um, but we'll see what sort of path they end up taking here, whether they can make the final, which is, again, all we're asking Villanova to do. Uh, that being said, I think this game ends up pretty close. Um, seven points is a point or two higher than my number made it. Um, seven and a half certainly is. Um, and now that this is dropping to seven, I think, uh, like I said, I think we're on to something here. Uh, Kentucky starts their desperation run. And, you know, talk, you know, Duke knocked off Louisville yesterday in a pretty dominant performance. And we'll talk about Duke, you know, coming up here in a second because obviously they get to move on. But Kentucky gets to start their run here, if you will. And for me, i rather just sort of start a Moneyline rollover futures type parlay here. Since we've talked about, you know, obviously our futures are in the bottom half of the bracket here with LSU and with Ole Miss, hoping one of those teams can make a run to the final. Uh, the top of the bracket, we're pretty wide open, right? We're up for anything, so to speak. And... You know, Kentucky right now, minus three and a half point favorites here against Mississippi State. I'd rather just take a full unit and throw that on the money line here for Kentucky, minus 160. If they move on, we'll roll this over to them as an underdog against Alabama and see if we can't, you know, sort of get something going there that ends up being better than the 14 or 15 to 1 that their pre-tournament price was. So that's how we're going to play that game. Uh, the first game in the ACC, Syracuse, is up here. And this is pretty simple, right? We have our Syracuse future, 35-1, to 1, with a win against Virginia and a trip to the semifinal against either Georgia Tech or Miami. This future becomes really real. So this is where I'm betting that future, right? This is, you know... Fundamentally, this line here is Virginia minus five. I do think that's actually a little bit short. So if you don't have a Syracuse future, Virginia minus five is in theory a value play here. But again, who knows what you're going to get out of Syracuse. And that's the high variance that we were hoping to get when we bet on Syracuse to win this tournament. We're hoping that they can pull it off here against Virginia. And then it now becomes really interesting 
once you get to that next round against either, again, Georgia Tech or Miami. So this takes that place of a bet on either side. And maybe it saves us from betting on uh, Virginia, where Syracuse, you know, again, they go on this heater. Uh, or, you know, again, or we're taking a bad number with Syracuse at plus five, or at least what I deem to be uh, a bad number. So those are the super early games here. We're going to run sort of through each conference, you know, conference by conference, because the other challenging thing is, do you want to go through game by game chronologically, or do you want to go through it by conference wise? Now, you know, again, you can listen to this while you're putting in the bets now for the early games to follow along here. Uh, don't worry, I don't have anything on Ball State Toledo. Uh, so, you you know, at ease soldier there. Uh, nothing on Temple and South Florida, Northern Colorado and Southern Utah, uh, Ohio and Kent State. You guys are all on your own from that standpoint. So hopefully you catch this podcast before 2 o'clock. Because now we'll talk about the rest of the story here on a really busy day. So, talked about the ACC. Georgia Tech and Miami, the other game up here. Uh, My number's nine for Georgia Tech. The number's nine and a half. You can get caught up here potentially in this Miami, you know, little hot streak here. um, Knocking off Clemson, you know, one of the games that we were on. It was the best bet over at Bet Spurts. Reminder, follow that content page, the underscore window underscore podcast. All the podcasts are there, blog stuff. I'm going to start writing some things here. Now it's available on the app. They've, uh, you know, the technology has been worked through that it's not just betsperts.com, but it's also the app. So ease of use there for everything, the window podcast uh, over there. But no play for me. Um, you know, I this could very well be a situation where Miami's quote-unquote luck runs out. Um, they are playing pretty well, and they are as healthy as they have been all season long, given the fact that, They basically haven't been healthy all season long. Um, Florida State and Duke uh, tonight. uh, And frankly, you can sort of throw these both together, Virginia Tech and UNC in the same vein. I'm going with the favorite in both. I think that, you know, the quote-unquote luck runs out here for Duke um, with Florida State minus four. And this Mark Williams situation. And I talked about a kid, and I can't, you know, his name escapes me, but he played a lot against Boston College. And... (sighs) You know, maybe this isn't the time for it, but there's a there's a Coach K rant here at some point. And I don't know if he's just being a, an earmuffs here, kids. I don't know if he's just being an asshole um, by not having started this kid early on. But if, you know, what team in the country is, you know, getting a seven-foot freshman who has this guy's athleticism where, you know, okay, you could make the case, oh, he needed a year of development or a full season of development. It's been, you know, 15 or 20 games. And this kid's pulling down 20 rebounds, again, against Louisville. And if I had a bet to do back from yesterday, or a bet that I would declare as a really bad one, right? Because we talk sometimes, you know, there's certain bets that you make and it doesn't work out. There's some, you know, outlier type stuff with regards to, you know, teams shooting or whatever, you know, stuff that you couldn't really see coming. And I think I talked about it a little bit, right? Malik Williams out for Louisville. There's going to be a, a, a pretty soft middle there in, uh, you know, for the Cardinals. And I didn't know that Mark Williams had it in him. And boy, did he ever, right? Almost, I think he did. He ever get to 20 rebounds? He was at 19 for the longest time. Basically a 20 and 20 game here against a top program in the country, even if they were sort of undermanned on the inside. And so you look at it and you go like, well, where has this kid been all season? Now he's played a ton here in the last little bit and he was, you know, forced to kind of be a one-man defender against the North Carolina, you know, volleyball players up against the up against the backboard on Saturday. And you just look and you go, Coach K, like what are you doing, man? Like you're that 
um, committed to your sort of five out lineup of jacking up threes and, you know, let's, you know, let's go small ball here with a guy who has no business playing center, playing center because you want him to be able to step out and shoot from long distance. And then we saw, you know, a kid come off the bench against Boston College who's like six seven and like, you know, seven foot wide shoulders, basically, you know, the body of Zion Williamson, not necessarily the talent, of course. But and you just go like, what sicko is not using these two guys on their team? Because any other coach, you know, we'll talk about different teams here. Like Colorado State, you know, is a team that we like from a coaching standpoint. And you go like, those they would kill for those two guys. And they would make those two guys work, right? They'd put one at power forward, one at center, and just be like, all right, let's figure this out because these are two of our best players. And I don't care that they're freshmen or whatever. And then you start to wonder, like, does Coach K, given the fact that, and listen, we've sort of hypothesized this earlier in the year, you know, Coach K doesn't really think this is a legitimate season. Is he burying this kid on the bench? Because this kid, from an athletic athleticism standpoint, at seven feet tall, is going to find a spot in the NBA. And if he's just hiding this kid and, you know, just considering, like, thinking that this season's eventually going to get canceled and like obviously they took a couple of breaks in December and all of that kind of thing and from an attitude standpoint like why would we waste sort of unveiling this kid and letting NBA um, scouts see him and then have him leave after just playing a few games in a season that we don't even think is going to finish like that's a pretty asshole move now I realize that's a bit conspiracy theory type thing but would you really put it past him given the attitude that Duke has had for this season I certainly would. Now you get to the point of embarrassment and sort of have to, like you have to look yourself in the mirror here and be like, man, Mark Williams really should be playing um, a significant role on this team. That being said, there's a bunch of Mark Williamses on the Florida State Seminoles, right? There are a ton of those dudes and it isn't going to be the free for all that it's uh, that it was yesterday for Williams. And maybe, you know, obviously he's not, fully ready like he can dominate a team that doesn't have an inside presence was he going to be able to dominate a team that has multiple you know seven foot guys multiple super long guys you know some real adults on that court and i just don't think that's the case and i think we're getting a tiny bit of value here i've got the number at five and a half i think we're getting some value here because people are sort of hoping um, or at least sort of thinking that Duke is going to make some significant run. Uh, Virginia Tech is on or just coming off another uh, COVID break. UNC, a little bit sketchy because, you know, some guys injured and, you know, didn't weren't full strength. Shout out to me, by the way, yesterday for not playing North Carolina minus six and a half because we have tournament futures on them um, because I thought there was a possibility that North Carolina could win by five or six and we would lose a unit Um sort of not protecting necessarily but sort of doubling up on uh, on a plus 450 futures uh and they go and win by 50 and so uh yeah i am uh, as always uh, i'm an idiot um but now that we're down to minus four here with north carolina again against a team that's coming off a of covid pause um that you know kind of a rough matchup for virginia tech and listen they may shoot the lights out here off of a break that would seem kind of unlikely if you ask me um so two favorites here setting up the north carolina florida state matchup that we're 
I mean, listen, I don't know. I don't know that we're hoping for it. We're hoping for it now that we're betting Florida State, but I don't know that we're hoping to see Florida State and North Carolina because, again, we want North Carolina to get through. We think there's a better chance of them getting through if Duke pulls off the upset here uh, against Florida State. So that would at least sort of be a silver lining should Duke end up actually winning the game, um, and certainly would be entertaining as hell too, knowing that if Duke did beat. Florida State and then North Carolina and we get that conversation about is this enough that they made the ACC tournament final and by the way they would be playing what Virginia Syracuse Georgia Tech Miami like the toughest part would be done um, as far as Duke is concerned and going you know would be a fifth straight game and a fifth straight day anyway long story short we're getting ahead of ourselves here but that would be uh really intriguing if Duke ended up winning. I just don't see it happening. I think all of that stuff, it's almost a, uh, it would be sort of too good to be true, even from just a narrative standpoint. I think Florida State probably pounds Duke, getting their first opportunity, by the way, to do so. They had a game earlier this season that was, of course, postponed and, strangely enough, never rescheduled. Interesting. Interesting how that works. Uh, Big East talked about Georgetown plus seven. Um, Seton Hall opens minus one and a half. St. John's getting Posh Alexander back, who we thought, frankly, was going to play on Saturday, which is why we were betting St. John's at home. Uh, was it plus one, minus one, something along those lines? They actually started down 18 to nothing and came back and won. Um, Alexander comes back here today. Hopefully he's at full strength, full minutes, full, you know, everything. Because uh, they're going to be back on St. John's plus one and a half here. As for the night uh, cap, if you will, uh, I don't really understand what's going on here. I mean, I guess I do based on the number. Creighton and Butler. Creighton at home the other night, uh, or the day, I should say, was, what, 12 and a half, 13 to Butler. We were on Butler. Didn't work out at all. Creighton blew them out. And... Yeah, now they're not at home anymore, but, you know, neutral court. Butler played yesterday, Creighton didn't. And the number is, quote-unquote, only 10. Now, I don't know that anything that happened in the Butler-Xavier game would have us, you know, sort of afraid of Butler at this point. So I'm going to be on Creighton minus the 10 here. Again, strictly a numbers play. I have this, you know, closer again, 12 and a half uh, to 13. So I'm going to be on Creighton minus 10. Hopefully they can take care of business here, setting up a semifinal matchup against probably UConn. And I say probably because UConn is a considerable favorite here. They are 12 and a half point favorites over DePaul. I thought this was going to be a little high at 10. Um, we lost with Providence. That was one of the games that I stupidly added. You know, listen, we've been on DePaul a bunch of times here, right? And whether it's Charlie Moore or not having Freeman Liberty back, like it was pretty rough in some of those cases right Charlie Moore was unable to hit shots and you know there were games that we didn't cover by a half point when Moore was pretty bad of course he was spec spectacular was probably a stretch but he was very good in the upset win against Providence and again should have just listened to ourselves on the podcast talking about how I wasn't looking to you know trust Providence to do anything the good news is we never have to see this Providence team for the rest of our lives well, until next year when they have virtually the exact same team, even in different names on the back of the jerseys, it's always kind of the same when it comes to Providence, like it's always kind of the same with most of these teams. That being said, uh, 12 and a half points is an inflation here because of all the buzz. And listen, we're as guilty of it as anyone. Um, because of the buzz for UConn here, 12 and, a point, 12 and a half points too high. We're going to the well here with DePaul plus 12 and a half for that Big East nightcap. Uh, the Big Ten. Talked about the atrocity of yesterday's game. Didn't play the Nebraska-Penn State game. Um, various points throughout the game. Uh, I was glad that I didn't bet Nebraska. I was mad that I didn't bet Nebraska. You know, back and forth. Um, 
let's start off talked about obviously michigan state maryland so let's get to the ohio state minnesota game here and listen minnesota was hideous yesterday hideous but 11 points for an ohio state team that doesn't play a ton of defense i could see a marcus Carr go off type of a game he wasn't particularly good yesterday in the same way that he wasn't particularly good uh at all uh against rutgers on saturday has he lost it I doubt that. I think we're getting an inflated number. My number was 9. It's 11. Minnesota plus 11 is definitely a hold-your-nose play, but it's a play that we're going to have to make here. Indiana and Rutgers. My number's 3. The number's 3, but I like Rutgers in this game. I think Rutgers is tougher. I think they're better coached. I think they're more of a quote-unquote tournament team, and I think they put Indiana out of their misery, which at this point I think might mean out of Coach Miller's misery as well. Archie probably not lasting here uh in indiana uh wisconsin and penn state my number is minus three and a half here the number's five penn state showed me something in coming back against nebraska yesterday and it's a team that is scrappy they don't give up all of those sort of cliches and it's against a wisconsin team that again what have we said all season about wisconsin they're soft i think they're soft i think penn state keeps this close i think they might even win this game give me penn state plus five to the big 12 uh baylor and kansas state didn't talk about that because i don't believe this gets going until around two o'clock a little bit more sane from a starting time standpoint i think if i'm not mistaken listen all the games are sort of blending in together from a scheduling standpoint uh that being said my number is 18 it's 20 that's about right you know like what do you you know i mean i would lean kansas state to keep this within 20 they were pretty impressive in a game that we won with them um and we're pretty convicted about that even from the early morning in the podcast this one's just going to be a pass i mean you know what are you going to do right you know we'll just watch this game on the edge of your seat to watch the last three minutes to see you know baylor emptying their bench so that their you know deep recesses of their bench can get minutes in a big 12 championship tournament okay you know um i don't know that kansas state can hang in in this game i certainly don't think that they can nor does i think anybody else um Oh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State is actually the first game. That's right. They, they shifted around the schedule. That's what sort of confused me there. Um, didn't talk about this in regards to a bet because I don't have a bet for this game. I think this is one where you, you know, it might be a little early for popcorn, but you throw some popcorn on, you sit back, you relax, and then you enjoy this one. I made this West Virginia minus two and a half. Um, you know, I think that's a pretty good number. The number's up to three and a half. So again, from a lean standpoint, you know, I would start leaning to Oklahoma State, but you start to wonder what that means for Cade Cunningham's minutes, what that means for Isaac Likely's minutes, or whether he's even going to play in this game. So I think it's just a stay away. I think this would be a really fun game to watch. Uh, the first one on Saturday was certainly uh, highly entertaining. Um, as for the evening slate, Kansas and Oklahoma here, and this is tricky, right? No McCormick for Kansas, which is kind of like the one player when it comes to OU that they might have sort of a bad matchup with, right? Like that's a size presence down low that Oklahoma doesn't really have anything for. So actually, I like Oklahoma in this game. We got the cover yesterday with Iowa State plus 12, as talked about on the podcast. That one was a little bit dicey, and then Iowa State just refused to give up. So kudos to them. Um, F. Steve Prohm from back when he fouled down 
what was it, 12 with 16 seconds left? <laughs> like, I thought we were going to have that situation at one point, but they made enough baskets down the stretch that actually, you know, kept it relatively close, and we didn't really have to sweat the last, you know, 20 seconds of that game. So give me Oklahoma plus three here. Maybe we're running into a buzzsaw with Kansas. I don't know that they're necessarily that case. Uh, next up, Texas and Texas Tech here. Um Listen, we've got Texas Tech Futures, plus 1,200. Uh, McCormick gets, not hurt, but, uh, you know, out for the tournament due to COVID protocols. And both Texas and Texas Tech's numbers improve relative to, obviously, the odds um, for the tournament, which is great, right? We got a, 12, a plus 1,200 that moves to plus 900 before the ball is even tipped off. Um, interestingly enough, Texas Tech, as we sort of projected here when we talked about this on Tuesday, Texas Tech a one-and-a-half-point favorite here against Texas. So we've got the plus 1200, already good value off of the plus 900. Um, it's a better odd, you know, for us, right? A higher number for us than Texas. And we're the favorite, albeit small, in the game. There's just nothing here to play, right? Like we just hope Texas Tech moves on. And, you know, that's what this bet is, right? Like that's what the futures bet is, is this game, right? If we were sort of handicapping and betting it we you know could be texas could be texas tech but that's what we're doing here and it's a coin flip game where we've got the best price of it um in a couple of different ways so that's already sort of i don't want to say paid for itself because that's not really fair but you know we've already sort of done what we needed to do getting the best price there uh the pack 12 arizona state beats washington state that was a game that thankfully we steered clear of just a ton of different conflicting reports on, you know, how much Isaac Bonton was going to play and who was going to play for Arizona State. Well, they end up getting the win here. I think they're a little bit dangerous, obviously. Uh, when you have Remy Martin, you're always a little bit dangerous. I made this number, <clears throat> excuse me, I made this number Oregon minus eight. It's minus eight and a half. No real reason to play this game um, for those of us who are sort of, you know, backing Oregon for the tournament. Uh, more interested in the UCLA-Oregon State game. Projected it at five and a half. Uh, it's at five and a half. Good enough for me. I was leaning Oregon State the whole time. Let's go Oregon State plus five and a half. Hope maybe they can get the win so we get an Oregon-Oregon State semifinal there as we sit with both, of course, the small Oregon State future, excuse me, the small Oregon future and the 50-1 to 1 Oregon State future. Uh, USC and Utah here, I think there's a overcorrection to how Utah, how much point, frankly, how many points Utah scored yesterday against Washington. It is not going to be that easy against USC. I have this number at 10. Uh, it's USC minus seven. So we're going to be on the favorite here with USC minus seven, uh, expecting big things from them. Colorado and Cal, uh, my number's 13, so I got to lean right now on Cal plus 14 and a half. I haven't pulled the trigger on that one. Um, we'll see if that moves anywhere. Plus 15, you know, that would be good if we could get sort of a two-point value off of the number there. Uh, the SEC, uh, and listen, if it wasn't for Minnesota and Northwestern, uh, Vanderbilt and Texas A&M would have been the ugliest game in the history of time yesterday. Texas A&M just really disappointing. Vanderbilt, you know, looking to trying to find out like what the deal is and like Pippen's going to play and uh, you know Disu is still out and Pippen's going to play and it's like but we're not sure about the injury still and you're getting all kinds of conflicting reports on sort of how many minutes he's going to play and he plays essentially sort of a full game but he's not particularly good but it doesn't matter because Texas A&M is somehow incredibly worse. Uh, so that was you know frustrating. Talked about what we're going to do with the Kentucky uh, Mississippi State game. So Florida and Vanderbilt. Here, my number is nine for Florida. It's seven and a half. I think we got to bet Florida. I don't like laying points with Florida because I don't trust them 
you know, particularly here. Um, but having gacked up that game to Tennessee, I think we're going to get a focused Florida team. Um, and again, if Vanderbilt is as bad as they were yesterday, they're going to get blown out here by Florida, Georgia, and Missouri. Um, you know, call me a fool here, but we're going back to the well with Georgia. Plus six is a good two points clear of where my number was with Missouri, um, making them a four-point favorite. So Georgia plus six is certainly a play. Um, my number's right on the on the button here with South Carolina and Mississippi. Obviously, we have Mississippi futures that we're hoping get into this next matchup here, this quarterfinal matchup with LSU. So that's good enough for us with regards to a rooting interest. Uh, the Mountain West, um, I don't know, I'm not sure it's going to, qualify as a bad beat necessarily fresno state was up 10 12 it might have even gotten to 13 points late in that game and they miss a free throw at the very end to win by eight instead of nine not covering what was a half unit first round play uh in the game yesterday uh san diego state and wyoming i made it 15 it's 15 nothing to play there talked about it yesterday how we're looking to back nevada here against boise my number's three it's three and a half but again we're looking to back nevada here at plus three and a half is good enough for me uh utah state against unlv numbers a little low for my liking actually utah state minus nine is interesting against a unlv team who again looked pretty good blowing out air force yesterday uh and then colorado state and fresno my number's eight and a half it's eight and a half no play for me there and then the first round of the american temple minus one and a half is the exact number that i have for it a uh, little value on tulsa minus three and a half here and since we're already on them uh at a 50 to one futures level here might as well back them at minus three and a half for a real unit uh against a two-lane team that isn't particularly good and then ECU, UCF, uh, I mean, I have a small lean to ECU, but I don't know that that's a team that I really want to back at this point. So we're probably just going to let that go. So um, hopefully you're able to keep track of everything that was going on with that. Super busy. Um, and, uh, and we'll get this podcast out as soon as we possibly can. That being said, we have a little business to do first when it comes to... As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. That's right. Thank you very much, Laszlo. Let's do that hockey yesterday. Uh, uneventful night and full disclosure, right? We talked about betting the the uh, Senators yesterday. And between all the basketball that was going on and the fact that, listen, Oilers games start at 9 Eastern, right? Oilers and Flames games start at 9 Eastern. Canucks games start at 10 Eastern. You know, obviously, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto start at 7 Eastern. And then all of a sudden yesterday... The Oilers started 8, and the Canucks started 11. And I don't know what the deal is with that. I guess for doubleheader purposes, but again, like that wasn't a thing that ended up happening yesterday. I don't know. NHL, NHL couldn't be more confusing. The point is, I was waiting and waiting and waiting to see what the best number I could possibly get on the Senators was. Uh, plus 200, over plus 200. Could we get to plus 225? And I missed it. I missed betting the game entirely. Uh, I, you know, obviously focused on college basketball. I look over to the app and thinking I had a half hour before the game started. And I find out that the Oilers are already up to nothing, which, 
you know, again, is the most senators-y type of thing that there possibly is, right? Like getting down two to nothing before people even realize your game is on. Now, I don't know that this was necessarily uh, the goaltending, you know, maybe early on it was. Certainly the senators were atrocious the rest of the way. End up losing two guys to injury. End up on the highlight reel as Connor McDavid's throwing, in, you know, double between the legs passes. Uh, Dreisaitl gets the hat trick, all of that sort of thing. So again, you know, on the plus side, you know, for me, I, I didn't bet it, so I missed on losing out on the unit. But again, it also sort of shows this, you know, we can't take the Senators off of the probation, the live, you know, the live betting strategy of give them 10 minutes to see how they're doing and then back them if they're, you know, surviving through the first, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of a game. So that's just got to be the way that it's going to be going forward because there wasn't anything particularly rough about the scheduling spot or anything like that, right? They're coming off a loss. They had a day off, all of that kind of stuff that like there really wasn't an excuse for that. And I think we'll just be better off waiting 10 minutes on the Senators. So that's the rule until further notice. Even if I say we can bet the Senators before the game, that's still the rule wait 10 minutes to bet the Ottawa Senators and you'll still get a decent price they're probably not going to score in the first 10 minutes if they do they'll probably end up being tied 1-1 at some point and you can get back in later on that's how we're playing the Senators going forward uh the Canucks and the Canadians uh the way the lineups and everything shook out it was an underplay for me under six uh was right as far as the Canucks not being able to score um unfortunately you know, they also gave up a billion shots and Demko is under siege and his quality, you know, of play um, wasn't able to sort of save us in the end. It ends up going five to one as a six, you know, total goal push on the night. So nothing really happened for me. Uh, again, unfortunately, if you lost on the Senators, apologies on that one, if you played Montreal, as we talked about, as an option at minus 150, kudos to you for doing that. Uh, obviously, hindsight being 2020, probably should have been our move yesterday. But let's move. Speaking of moving, let's move forward here to tonight, where we've got a ton of action here, and same sort of deal as the other night. Right? Didn't talk about it yesterday because it was pretty straightforward. But Florida and Columbus. If Elvis Merzlikens is playing, and we get plus 120 that's a bet uh right now plus 120 i am seeing available in some spots other spots it's plus 110 that's the threshold for the cutoff we need him playing again nothing personal against corpus alley had a couple of really great saves against florida and columbus had 40 some odd shots on net the other night but again you know we have to have some discipline here make sure that we're getting the guy that we want in the net at the price we want uh, but it looks like we're going to get that. Nashville and Carolina. Uh, this is a game that I wrote a preview about from the Action Network. So check that out. But fundamentally, it talks about, you know, what is the value of an individual player? And what's the value of sort of cluster injuries? Because, you know, we go into that game and, you know, plus 190 was a price too high for us. Even though the Predators were without Roman Yossi uh, and were without Ryan Ellis couple of key defensemen right and it's like in a one game situation how much is that going to really matter and we'll never know how much that was going to matter right because they are tied 2-2 goes to overtime carolina wins it in overtime was that because those two guys weren't there defensively you know like maybe that goal was because the defenseman that had been playing had been you know tired or whatever 
Bad news is for them, Dante Fabro, you know, nominally their fourth best defenseman, who is now their second, you know, most used defenseman. Uh, he gets suspended for two games thanks to an elbowing penalty. That also sort of started up the Carolina comeback. And so now they're down to just essentially Matthias Ekholm as a top four defenseman, which means all of these other people have to take a large step to the left, right? Guys who have played three games, guys who have played one game, guys who have played no games in the NHL are now going to have to play for this team. And so how do you adjust that number? Because now the number is plus 200, and that makes sense. If it was plus 190 the other night, and now they're down another defenseman, like the number kind of has to go up. So you know, at some point it just becomes a bridge too far. Like I don't want the predators now, even at what seems to be a good number, because it's a number based off of something that like doesn't really, you know, it's not something that we can quantify. Right. So I would prefer Carolina. I talked about, I don't want Carolina in regulation at minus 240. Excuse me. I don't want Carolina sort of overall at minus 240. I rather them in regulation was available minus 130 last night. It's up to minus 140. I think I would still play it at minus 140 because, again, if I'm backing Carolina at hypothetically this money line of minus 240, I'm not doing it because I think that they that I'm going to need overtime. I'm doing it because I think they're going to dominate the shorthanded predators here. So might as well do that in regulation and save ourselves, um, frankly, a full unit should Carolina actually lose the game. Now, the only way this ends up sort of coming back to bite us is if Carolina wins in overtime or a shootout because we would have normally won and now we didn't, right? Even if Nashville wins in a shootout or overtime, we were still going to lose this bet. And at least this way, we've only lost 1.4 instead of 2.4. Of course, the Carolina Hurricanes did win in overtime the other night. So again, hopefully it's not a deja vu situation. Um, moving along here in the central, oh, Tampa Bay and Detroit. Yes. This thing's up to plus 300. I gotta bet that. <laughs> like what about the other night would indicate that you should be betting Tampa Bay minus 380 on the money line. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Whether you go full unit, half unit, whatever, think about it this way, right? Even at a half unit, you're okay. You're winning plus one and a half units should Detroit pull it off. Uh, Chicago and Dallas, back to the well here, right? Again, wrote about this in the Action Network. Uh, and it's, you know, it's honestly, it's the same thing that I wrote two days ago, right? Like the numbers are, uh, numbers are what they are, right? Like Chicago goes on a great run and their expected goals for is about 1.65. And Dallas is on, you know, struggling this season and their expected goals are about 1.63. And you go, okay, that's pretty much the exact same. One team's really doing well, the other team's doing poorly in the standings but fundamentally they're doing the same thing and then when you look at the expected goals against dallas still holding strong at 1.4 and change meanwhile chicago almost two expected goals for uh well goals against i should say um at even strength this season and you go okay well like why aren't we betting on dallas here and the answer is we are and why isn't this number higher why isn't this number the same as it was early on in the season and simply put it's because of the standings but as you know we don't care anything about the standings you know congratulations to chicago for getting all those overtime wins winning a lot of coin flips in a row there but for me here anything less than minus 150 which is widely available at minus 145 only five cents more than it was the other night at minus 140 uh still a very good bet don't expect it to be as easy as it was the other night uh but still um, as for the North, um, on the fence about backing Winnipeg again here, it's about 4% value here with Winnipeg plus 170 against Toronto. I think the concern, um, if you're 
you know, a Toronto backer or Toronto fan here is uh, Austin Matthews scores two goals the other night, but he's missing practices. Like, obviously, you know, they've had to make some moves with regards to where he positions himself on the power play. He's not firing off one-timers. He's not using a shot. He's getting a lot of those goals sort of around the net, right? And that's obviously still, still a dangerous Austin Matthews situation. Um, you know, but we're already talking about a team that is widely overvalued from a money line price standpoint with their best player being compromised like i said mispractice yesterday uh you know so fundamentally you go and you know are they going to lose a second straight game to the jets and the answer is maybe and a plus 170 uh it's probably worth a shot and then finally montreal and calgary there's no value on them uh, from a price standpoint this is exactly what the price should be um but listen montreal played that game till 11 uh, yesterday and now they have to travel it's one time zone but still like there is some travel um, you know relatively late and you know now playing Calgary here who's been sitting around since losing to the Senators on Sunday on top of that new head coach right new head coach bump you know with Daryl Sutter in the mix so at minus 105, you know, maybe we end up getting even money here, but minus 105 to me certainly good enough to try our hands with Calgary here on, you know, against what should be a little bit of a tired team, uh, you know, with Calgary getting the, uh, the new head coach bump. So interesting there. So, all right, exhale. That's it for today. Again, try to get it uh, to you as early as we can on Friday. Um, contemplating whether we bother doing one on Saturday. I don't know. Would you guys listen to that on a Saturday morning for a busy Saturday, you know, finals and semifinals type of deal? Reach out. Let me know if you'd want to uh, have a podcast done for Saturday and we may be able to do that. Still thinking about what to do for Sunday from a selection Sunday standpoint and obviously getting the plans done for next week, which, of course, I am very excited about. As always, follow along on Twitter at MRussAuthentic. Subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast around. Busy times, best time of the year. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.